Welcome to The Reload, where we help unconventional leaders craft the life they truly want by questioning the assumptions they have about how life works. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host on this journey. As a performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I help high-performing executives kick ass in their careers while connecting with deeply powerful insights that fuel their lives. Alrighty. Feels like it's been a minute since I've been on the microphone, and that's probably because I did a bunch of batch recording a while ago. <laughs> so hopefully on your end of things, things have felt relatively consistent. For today, uh, for anybody that is new to the show, I wanted to re-emphasize that a number of the topics that I cover may sound like I am expressing my personal belief. And there are instances where I actually am doing that. But, by and large, the questions that I pose on this show are really more an attempt to provoke different ways of thinking. Ways of challenging entrenched beliefs. And when I say entrenched, well, that can be societally, or that could be just within your own framework. But when we look at limiting beliefs, and when I say we, I guess I mean more me as a coach, there are typically four categories of inner blocks that people tend to deal with. Assumptions, interpretations, inner demons, and limiting beliefs. And limiting beliefs, the way that they tend to hamper us or put us into a constrained place where we don't perceive as much option, maybe as we could, is in the sense of Structures of thought, or paradigms might be a more uh, concise way of saying it, that we have inherited from other groups, and the merit of which we have never actually tested ourselves. We just kind of go along for the ride. And those beliefs are things that could be inherited based on our gender, or the gender that we identify with, our ethnicity, nationality, family, tribe, the vocation that we have or the hobbies to which we subscribe. For instance, I'm a CrossFitter. I'm not, so I am not actually a CrossFitter, but uh, at least not anymore. <laughs> but for those who are CrossFitters, that is, a, that is an identity that they subscribe to. And, you know, for all the controversy that CrossFit has had, one of the noticeable impacts has been to create a culture or an identity of fitness that also encompasses nutrition. And for decades in the fitness industry, nutrition and fitness were related, but in many ways separate. And CrossFit was one of the first modalities to really incorporate them into something holistic. 
Another way of looking at this is, at least in America, there's an expression that existed for decades that real men don't cry. So if you want to be a real man, then that cuts you off from being in tune with most of your emotions, actually. Because if we're trying to cut off emotion at, uh, at one level, we tend to do it in a very broad-based way. So this idea of limiting belief being something that constrains us, something that we have inherited from other places, is really relevant for today's discussion. And I've struggled with how to formulate today's episode because a number of my clients are very influential people. They have a lot of conventional power, positions of high authority where their decisions have pretty wide-sweeping impact on thousands of people. And a lot of those clients are very preoccupied with legacy. So it's been a minute since we've uh, <laughs> dove into the dictionary, but I think today might be a really good opportunity to bring that back. So we'll see what we can get knocked out here in the next 15 to, I don't know, 20 minutes, because that seems to be what people are voting for. Short and sweet. So if we look at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, under legacy, we see a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. We also see something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. And a couple of the examples that are listed, the legacy of the ancient philosophers or the war left a legacy of pain and suffering. Now, why is it that why is it that looking at definitions is something that is so uh, captivating for me? Well, because I think quite frequently we are very sloppy with our understanding of what words actually mean, and meaning conveys impact. The way in which relate we relate to words, the way in which we define them, creates our reality. It creates our, the, the user interface with how we define things and relate to them, the meaning that they have inside of us. So if we look at those two definitions, especially, you know, this idea of something transmitted by or received from the past or an ancestor, I think there we begin to look at the source of, of what is potentially problematic 
when we are consumed or preoccupied at the very least by leaving legacy. Because we run the risk of the tail wagging the dog when we chase legacy. When we reach a place internally in our mindset and also in our desire where we are consumed with legacy. And one of the things that I've noticed is as humans age, they become more and more preoccupied with leaving legacy. So I think first and foremost, looking at you know, the pressure of creating legacy, how is it that that can become toxic? Well, for starters, I think it, in many cases, is an ego trip. Look at how important I am. Look at this mark that I've made. And something that I've heard from clients is they often quote Steve Jobs talking about making a dent in the universe. With the implication being that leaving a dent in the universe is going to be something beneficial. Now, I'm fortunate to work with good people who generally mean well, even if they stumble, even if they have a misdelivery in some cases. They're not always their, their highest selves, but they really do mean well. And so I can definitely identify and sympathize with their desire to leave an improved state of being, whether that's with their organization, whether that's with their community, the world at large. And I'm, I really dig it. I mean, I think it's badass. But there's also this element of self. And this is a difficult one to parse out because they have noble intention. They have positive intention. They want to make things better. But it is very directly connected to their desire, what they want to see. And it's also connected to what they believe is better. And this reminds me of examples when someone has given a gift to another person. So person A gives a gift to person B. And then the giver gets pissed when the recipient either doesn't use the gift or gives it away to somebody else or uses it in the wrong way. That's always a fun one. And so then it forces this inquiry around, well, was it really a gift? Because if it was really a gift, then you no longer have any connection to it. You have given it away. And similarly, you know, clients end up, especially the ones that end up really preoccupied with legacy, they want their legacy to look a certain way, to have a certain impact. And so then they are still stuck thinking about their identity. This is what this will say about me. This is what I will have created in the world. And then there's a great deal of worry and concern and, and also a lot of uh, energy put into structuring their legacy 
And oftentimes that involves forming a trust and, and, you know, involving legal counsel and, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And this is how the money is going to flow. You know, that's kind of more the, the sort of tangible material side of things. But it does come at an energetic cost. It, it takes energy to go through those steps and money <laughs> as well. And then on top of it, from a more sort of heart and soul perspective, is they end up preoccupied again with this sense of, well, my will must be carried forward. And oftentimes what they're not connected to, and sure, they understand it cognitively. Intellectually, it's not beyond them. They know (laughs) or they get it. But really on an emotional level, what they're not connected to is the fact that it's no longer a gift to the future. It's them trying to put parameters or conditions And that that is very much a very egotistical thing to do. And again, this is difficult to talk about and difficult, I'm sure, to hear because of the fact that it's usually rooted in a very noble motivation. And you might say, okay, well, I mean, if it's rooted in a noble noble motivation and if it's going to have at least uh, intended positive impact, then what does it matter? if it's rooted in still an egotistical sense of where the the giver can execute their will into the future. Well, on some levels, it probably doesn't matter. But where I think it does matter is the ways in which clients of mine, and this is the reason why I bring up this, this episode at all, is because clients of mine twist themselves up over it. They get into emotional binds trying to understand, okay, well, it's going to be really important for me that it goes this way, that my legacy is metered out and has this kind of effect. And it's like, you're going to be fucking dead. Are you really putting this much energy into this when you're going to be dead? Why? Why is this so important? Why are you getting so emotionally twisted up about this? Such that your present, of which... With every passing minute, we have less and less is being harmed by the fact that they are so emotionally twisted up about what their legacy will be. And one of the, I think, great bodies of work that exists, well, two great bodies of work, Buddhism and Stoic philosophy. And in both of those camps, what you end up seeing is a lot of really stark confrontation about the shortness of human lives and the shortness of human impact. I can't remember where I came across this, but it made a profound impact on me that within 100 years of your demise, it is most likely that no one will know nobody that is alive on the planet 100 years after your death will even know that you were alive. And I understand that for many people that is deeply alarming. There is seemingly baked into the formula of human existence a desire for 
significance. And that notion that I just delivered that, you know, within a hundred years of our death, no one's going to know that we were even alive. Just slams right into our seemingly innate desire for significance. To have some root to immortality. Even if we know that our physical forms are going to uh, end, there's a sense of how do we keep this going? And I don't know. I mean, maybe it is a reflection of the fact that we are mortal creatures who are eminently capable of contemplating our mortality, especially as our bodies begin to age. And especially as those aging bodies get close to the finish line. And I think in some ways my experiences deploying to combat zones has given me, I don't know, maybe an early look at what that might be. Because there is this phenomenon that I observed in ahead of you know my combat deployments where my teammates or sometimes this was like on other teams, but, you know, guys that I was working with, and I worked exclusively with men, so that's why I'm saying guys, but they would they would get married right before a combat deployment to women that they had just met. And I always found that to be such a strange behavior. And of course, like, the guy in question would be, you know, oh yeah, we're in love, and it just, it makes sense. It's the right time. And I always thought to myself, what? You've been dating this woman for like two months. Are you crazy? And there's, I mean, there's a good chance that you're going to get smoked in country. And by smoked, I mean dead. And then one day it actually dawned on me that, oh, maybe that is actually what's motivating this. And by and large, those marriages would, you know, completely detonate while we were on deployment often with a lot of infidelity and, you know, just like nastiness, which you might expect given the rushed nature in which things occurred. But this dynamic of wanting something to come back to, wanting something that was an anchor, having a sense of, I can continue in some way even if it's just my memory. That, I think, is a pretty powerful motivator. And I think that for many people, it ends up creating this pressure. So in a strange way, as we look at legacy, I wonder if it's not so much about the impact that we're going to have on the future, but more where is it that we are able to convince ourselves through legacy that we will be able to continue. And as part of that, again, because so many of my clients end up putting a lot of pressure on themselves in this regard, there's a lot of emotional twisting that ends up happening. I wonder if perhaps there is a more 
beneficial way of pursuing that. Or alternatively, if we can soften our perspective on how important it is for us to continue into the future. I've been reading a lot of Marcus Aurelius lately, who is a Stoic philosopher, or is at least by modern people uh, attributed to being a Stoic philosopher, even though uh, he may not have said so himself. But he was the emperor of Rome, and he was a warrior, a statesman, a father, husband, and many other identities. And given that we are still talking about him a couple thousand years after he existed, one might say he left a legacy. But what's interesting is the number of reflections he has on the impermanence of life and the impermanence of one's impact. So it makes me wonder, can we learn from that example can we soften our grip on this desire to perpetuate ourselves into the future? We are mortal creatures after all. At least our bodies are. Our bodies come with a predefined expiration date. And it is natural for us to end it is natural for us to go back into whatever state we came from and to let go of the concerns of this mortal life. So if you're one of those individuals who is fearful or perhaps you just have a little bit of anxiety or uncertainty, all of which still lie in the fear camp. But if you have fear about your own impermanence, maybe ask yourself questions about why that is such a fear-inspiring concept. There was a TED Talk that I listened to years ago. And there was a really successful, I think it was Brazilian... I want to say he was Brazilian. Don't quote me on this, obviously. Businessman. And he had turned around his father's failing business with some really, really out-of-the-box thinking. Really innovative. I mean, to the point where he was letting his own employees self-organize. They could determine where they wanted to work, like because he had multiple manufacturing facilities in you know, a given area. They could decide for themselves what projects they were going to pursue. They were going to also decide what production targets they were going to hit. And they also determined in a very egalitarian fashion who would lead them, such that they voted him out of his own CEO role a couple of years after the company was back on track. And he concluded his TED Talk by talking about legacy. And he was speaking with one of his grandsons, I believe, and as little children are so apt to do, they're just so uh, irritatingly honest. <laughs> and he was talking about leaving legacy. And his grandson asked, well, why? 
Why do you want to leave a legacy? And it caused him to really reflect, like, why is it important for me to be known after I'm gone? If you're really that worried about the state of affairs after you're gone, okay, no big deal. Do what you can to make this world a better place. But it might be worth looking at how concern about a future that you will not be there to experience is impacting how you show up now. Because often it is how we show up now, how we live our lives, the values that we not claim, but that we actually evidence in our behavior that create a tremendous cascade effect. And perhaps evaluate your existence to look for ways in which the tail might be wagging the dog. And if you notice that you're feeling anxiety about what legacy you're going to leave, and if you can notice that there is a connection to this desire to carry forward into the future, recognize that that is your fear. That is your desire to be known, to have impact. And, I don't know, maybe think about what it would do if you just started focusing on living a certain way now. And then let people pick that up for themselves or not. All right. I think that does it for today. If you've been enjoying the show and if you like the shorter format, which seems like a number of you do, <laughs> uh, share and follow and subscribe and you know do all of the modern social media things. Or don't. It's totally up to you. But until next time, take care of each other.